Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while. I know. I can't believe we're back. It feels good to be back. It feels weird. I'm like, did I forget how to be a podcast host? I don't know. I know. I don't even remember the last time we recorded. I don't either. It's been so long. And I feel like a lot's happened since we recorded. Like there was an election. Not a lot has changed with the pandemic. Some people are getting vaccinated. That's great. We're probably far away from that. Yep. We're still in our houses, basically. (laughs) We are still in our houses and not much has really changed for me. In fact, I feel like the height of the excitement that I was having was back right before we finished our last season. And now it's been a slow, no excitement for quite a while. Well, you're doing so many fun home projects that you'll send me some pictures of. And you are so good at DIY, you and Logan both. Well, it's definitely more him. I... Uh, I'm not a very patient person, so I have a hard time seeing a project through before I start to get like, I just want to be done with it. But it is fun. And uh, our house is starting to really come together. So that's been fun. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I mean, not much has really changed. I'm just over here living life with my cat mostly, you know, and my husband, but (laughs) mostly cuddles with the cat. Well, there can be worse problems. So that's not terrible. I know. I know. And I'm excited for Things to eventually go back to normal. I feel yeah. hopeful that by the end mm-hmm. of 2021, we are going to be able to like travel and yep. move in the right direction kind of thing. Yeah. I think I'll probably go to a concert like every night. At least that's yeah, that's what I think. I know. <laughs> I miss, I really do miss a lot of, I think it, it's all starting to kind of hit people too. Like we were all, everyone was excited for a new year. Just things were changing a lot at the end of this last year and now we're in it. And I think people are like, okay, but we're still not really, you know, nothing's really happening. So I think people are really hopeful and I'm keeping my fingers crossed that, you know, the world can start going again in the right direction. Yeah. Same. But in the meantime, at least email is still a thing. Alive and well. (laughs) It always will be. I mean, obviously I don't know about always, but it's not going anywhere anytime soon. So we are going to have plenty to talk about. Well, isn't it funny that it almost like made a resurgence of how important it is because of the pandemic. And I think people just when when people were like seeing, you know, shifts in uh, social media and how influencers and creators were reaching people that way, like we had to go back to the basics kind of. Yeah, definitely. It like proved the point that no matter how fancy we get and all the events that could possibly happen, it's like at the end of the day, if you want to reach people, email is still the way to go. But it's also highlighted the fact that you can't just email to email. Like you need to have something to say, some value to add. Right. Which is what we're going to talk about all season, of course, as we always do. Right. Exactly. So this season is going to be covering, obviously, we're going to talk about deliverability, but uh, we're going to talk about it in relation to make different niches and specific kinds of creators and talk about differences in educating your audience, but also how do you reach your audience? Uh, And this is obviously going to be a mixture of, you know, marketing and the deliverability side, which we really like talking about together. We didn't talk about it 
in the last season because we mostly spent time talking about technical aspects of deliverability. Yeah, exactly. I think in season one, we did a good job of covering the deliverability basics that anyone sending email needs to know, like authentication and how does spam filtering work and what's reputation, all of that good stuff. So now I think season two is really refining what the goal of this podcast is, which really is, you know, the goal of ConvertKit, the company we work for, and that's to help creators earn a living. So thinking more about that, you know, I would run into people I know who are musicians and we'd start talking and I'd tell them about the podcast and they would say like, oh, I want to listen. And I think like, (laughs) I don't know which episode to point you to, which highlighted to me like something's wrong because like this podcast is made for them. Right. But for just, you know, like a starting out musician, I'm like, I don't want you to jump right into authentication. Right. Exactly. I don't tell people who aren't in this industry that like I help with a podcast because I feel like instantly they're like, oh, I want to listen to it. And I am like, well, if there's like not a reason necessarily Mm -hmm. for you to, you know, listen, then it's kind of hard to follow. So I feel the same way. Like when I would tell people, I'm like, well, I don't really want you to listen to our authentication episode because (laughs) it's just going to be very boring for you. (laughs) It's so crazy to me that that I think is our still most downloaded episode, which is wonderful. It's very technical. So I think that also proves that People who listen to this podcast are kind of all over the map, which Mm -hmm. we love. So for that reason, we want to make sure we're able to kind of serve all the different needs. So every other episode is going to be, you know, email marketing for blank and a type of creator like musicians or writers or chefs, you know, we're going to think of all the creators out there and that should be using email marketing. We're going to talk to them about what they can be doing. Every other episode alternating is going to be a deliverability topic that we can dive deeper on so that hopefully we can do all the things in this podcast and really speak to specific creators and also give the people listening who are just like deliverability nerds, I know they are listening, you'll have plenty of content too. And then of course, throughout the email marketing for blank episodes, we're going to talk about deliverability too. So even if you're not a musician, for example, you might find some good information in the Mm -hmm. email marketing for musician episode. Yeah, definitely. I think people, I used to help on some of our, the webinars that ConvertKit would put on. And I think people in different niches like to cross-reference with each other because there are definitely ideas you can grab from someone else that maybe you wouldn't have thought of before. And part of the most fun aspect of working at ConvertKit is getting to see all the different kinds of businesses. And there's just times where sometimes I'll be helping a customer and I'm like, wow, that's, I would have never even thought of that being a business that, uh, you know, they're teaching someone something or they're, I don't know. It's just really interesting to listen to. You hear my dog right now? Yeah. (laughs) Is he okay? I am so sorry. No, he just likes attention and he's very vocal about it. So if you hear him, that's Neptune. And I'm sorry that he's so uh, pushy. Oh, poor Neptune. I wish he could just join us on the podcast. He would have a lot to say. He's very, Mm -hmm. he's very whiny and very vocal anyways. But yeah, I think ConvertKit has such a vast range of creators that it's really cool to see how people can put their ideas, even similar ideas with such different, like I said, in different niche. Yeah, for sure. So in today's episode, we're going to get pretty general here and just talk about audience building for creators in general. There are so many different types of creators, but really we want to hit on how do you build your audience as a creator? 
why does email marketing matter? I definitely still get the people that, you know, I'll bring up email marketing to them and they look at me like I, you know, I'm a grandma. It's prehistoric. Yeah. They're like, but I want cool Instagram reels or whatever, which I get. So we want to talk about how email marketing fits in, why it is cool still, and talk more about how creators can earn a living online. So first, let's start out by talking. I think this is kind of a harder thing to define, but Mm -hmm. let's talk about what or who is a creator. What does that mean? So my initial response probably is dictated by like what my interests are initially. Mm -hmm. So like when I first think of like a creator, I probably think of like a musician or an artist or someone who's creating something that I listen to or watch just because those are things that I generally enjoy. So those are probably like my initial thoughts, but I know this word obviously covers so much more than just, you know, an artist or a musician. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, you know, anyone who's creating a product or content or service Mm -hmm. in order to provide value. I think the providing value part, it's like, it depends. I mean, listening to a good song like provides value for me, you know, whether it's just like, I love the way it sounds or whatever. It doesn't have to be financial or like educational necessarily. I think it can be entertainment or it can be educational. So maybe someone Mm -hmm. is teaching me something through whatever they're creating. Or maybe like you said, an artist, maybe it's something I want to put on my wall. I actually, in my background, (laughs) we do have some video elements, but I don't know if you'll see this, is something created by my friend who is a creator. Uh, She made this really cool graphic and I put it up behind me. So things like that, it's providing me value because I like looking at it. So yeah, I guess that's my loose definition of creator. And I think anyone has the potential to be a creator and Mm -hmm. maybe is and they don't know it. And uh, I think as time goes on, more and more people are going to lean into that creator side of them um, and that the creator economy is just booming. It's so exciting. Definitely. I think probably when I think about all those different kinds of creators you mentioned, and even maybe some that we're not thinking of right now, like they all are people with some kind of passion Mm -hmm. towards something. So like you said, it could be so many different things. You could be an accountant and be very passionate about accounting and you could create a whole entire side business based on that passion you have and wanting to, whether it's teach people how to be accountants themselves and maybe like go into that field or whether it's, you know, teaching people how to better manage their money or, you know, there could be so many different aspects of that. And I think it all starts with just like a very strong passion for whatever you're doing. Yeah. I think that goes into a really important distinction that we see a lot in that some creators are creating by teaching kind of like their craft or whatever it is that they do that they're excited about. And then some creators, they don't teach, they just are creating and they're kind of Mm -hmm. selling their product. Right. So I think that's a really interesting distinction. And I think there's room for both of those things. Like you said, like an accountant, like pretty much any profession, I mean, deliverability, you could easily create you know, all sorts of things to teach people about deliverability. That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. And that's needed. But also we need creators who just do their craft and create their art. And they're not teaching you necessarily maybe how to like create an album or produce something. Uh, They're just doing it and we're just loving it. And (laughs) right. We want it in our homes or we want to listen to it or 
Exactly. And I think that's what's really cool about this space. Like you said, it's a booming space for people right now. And there are so many limitless options to and opportunities for people to do what they love, which is so cool. Yeah, I love that. And I know if there are any people listening to this that think like, man, I've loved watching, you know, kind of the creator economy happen. I know on ConvertKit, I mean, you can start right now with a paid newsletter. And I mean, if you have one person sign up, maybe that's $5 a month you're getting. But the more and more signups you get, you could start really earning a living Mm -hmm. just by having a paid newsletter. And there's so many other options. So Mm -hmm. if you're someone who's thinking like, I really want to be a creator, I want to earn a living creating, but I don't know where to start. One thing I learned at one of our crafting commerce conferences that really stuck with me is to ask yourself, what's the question that people always come to you asking, or what's something that people come to you for advice with or needing your help with? Everybody kind of has their little thing that maybe you don't know you're seen Mm -hmm. as an expert on it, but you are. So if every time you go out to drinks with your friends, they're asking you like, how are you so good at, you know, managing your time? Like, I wish I had Mm -hmm. your time management skills and you have your techniques. You could create an email newsletter on time management. I know someone doing that and they are killing it. There's so many things. If you love landscaping and your friends also are like, man, that garden that you just made in your backyard is so cool. How did you do that? You can create content on that Mm -hmm. and earn a living doing that. So think about that. Think about what people come to you for, even if it's just your friends and family, and think about how you could build that into content that you're sharing with people. I think about this a lot, actually, because I think the hardest part probably for a lot of creators is this initial start. It feels weird to do something when your audience is one or two people. I mean, I totally yeah. understand that. It's it's different. It feels, it's like, why? You know, it, but you have to start and... Mm-hmm. I think one of the most important things I've learned from ConvertKit is that if you are providing valuable information to one, two, five, ten people, like even if that's your audience, like you're helping 10 people. And that's still better than not sharing that with anyone. And people's hobbies and their interests change all the time. So I actually gave you an example a while back. Uh, Neptune, my dog, is six months old. Mm-hmm. And we were having some issues with like potty training. And we were just like, I was struggling a lot with just training in general. Like this is my first dog as an adult. So I'm like trying to figure all of it out and I'm working from home. So it's just kind of a weird dynamic. And I went and I started Googling stuff up and I ended up on a website that actually had convert kit forms. And I was so excited about it. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's this blog and they're teaching people how to train their dogs and whatever. And I just thought it was so cool that it was, they were using ConvertKit because I could tell by the form when I signed up. And that was just an example of like, they may have started their blog thinking, I want to help this certain group of people. But like, I became one of those people because I got a dog. Right. And so you just never know, like down the road, who you're going to end up helping and like what kind of business you might end up having, because it kind of, builds itself when people are looking for the information that you're able to give. That's, you know, valuable, like you said. So anyways, I just thought that was kind of a cool example because it's fun to see that there's just, like I said, a vast majority or a vast, uh, what's the word I'm trying, diverse, I guess, group of businesses and people that are helping others. Yeah. I love that example because those 
people, the creator who created, you know, the materials on how to train your dog, they didn't know you existed. Like they didn't think, oh, Melissa in Seattle really needs this information. They don't know you. And they might have had, you know, no one on their list for a while. And it might've been a really slow start. And they got, you know, some friends and family to sign up, but they might've felt discouraged at the beginning. We don't know, but all you know is they really helped you and you're thankful that they kept going and that they created that information. Yeah. Whenever you're getting started, it's going to be a slow start. It's hard not to compare ourselves with, you know, the people we look up to. Mm -hmm. They have, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands or millions of subscribers, but they all started at zero. And the path to growing your audience is a slow one. And it's, I think it can be a tough one on your ego and your confidence. Mm -hmm. But if you keep pushing and you're consistent, you're going to grow your audience and it's going to be really exciting. And you're going to provide value to people that you didn't even know needed you, but they did. Exactly. And I think something to also keep in mind just, you know, as we're talking about getting started and what is a creator and all of that, when I go to a website, you can tell when someone has been doing something for a while because they have a lot of content. They have a lot of, you know, tabs on their website. They've got a lot of information. And ultimately that takes time to build up. And so even if you're not having, you know, 10 subscribers sign up daily to your forms, I think building up that library of content is really important for those future people who will find your website because ultimately the more content you have, the more tools and, you know, and even if it's just you selling, like I'm really focusing heavily on the education part right now, but we just talked about how there's two different, you know, sides to this. Even if it's things that you're selling, like, I think that builds a lot of trust with people who visit your site is seeing like your previous work, because I personally feel more, uh, connection with a website that has some more content, some stuff to it. Yeah. has, you know, when you go somewhere and it feels really sparse, it's not bad that you're getting started, but I think it's important to just remember like content building takes time and you shouldn't focus heavily on like your number of subscribers or anything because they'll come. But like the content part is all on you. Yeah. That takes consistency and it takes hard work and it takes you doing it. Even when you're like, I have three subscribers and I've had three subscribers for six months. Um, Why am I doing this kind of thing? I think a lot of creators ask themselves that all the time. Like, why Mm -hmm. am I doing this? Mm -hmm. No one cares, but it's not true. And you just have to keep creating that content and serving the audience that maybe just hasn't found you yet, but they're going to, and they're going to need that content once they Mm -hmm. find you. Right. So you might be listening and thinking, okay, I understand. I get all that, but... I'm not convinced about email marketing. Like, why do I need to do that? I know this is something I hear a lot from the musicians I know. They'll have just recorded an album, uh, usually with my husband, and then we like go out for drinks and like, so email, let's talk about it. And they look at me like I'm crazy. And they are, you know, they're really focused on Instagram. They're usually pretty young and I get it. Like I love Instagram. It's probably my most looked at app. Mine as well. Yeah. And it's fun. Like I totally understand why if I was a creator, that's probably where I would want to start too. Mm -hmm. Um, You can make things look beautiful. You know, the followers are, I would say maybe they come a little bit quicker It's just an easy to use platform to build an audience, Mm -hmm. but you need to make sure that you are also collecting an email list because essentially the Instagram followers or whatever social media you are using, 
they belong to Instagram. So Instagram yeah. owns those profiles. And the second their algorithm changes, which happens all the time, mm-hmm. your content might not be seen. It's also really hard to have call to actions, I feel like. Definitely. So you can say, yeah, like, okay, I have a new song out or I have a new blog post or I have a new downloadable PDF. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a lot more effort on Instagram to go to your bio, click the link, go, you know, a lot less people are willing to do that. I totally agree. Yeah. You find them right where they are and you say, here it is. And Mm -hmm. they, it's so much easier to click and do those call to actions and it feels a lot more personal. Right. And I think also with Instagram, I mean, obviously a lot of us have inboxes that are flooded daily with emails, but I do think Instagram is a place where it's really easy to get distracted. So even though I might see something that I'm interested in, like a product from someone and they're like, Hey, I just came out with this new legging line or whatever. It's harder for me to commit to making a purchase. I feel like through Instagram than it would be if I received an email from someone that I like followed and had a continual like email relationship with, you know, like I think I would have more trust and less distractions if that call to action was in an email than if it was like, Hey, swipe up and look at, you know, whatever this is. Yeah, definitely. I think Instagram, and maybe this is like silly psychological, but like when you see posts that you're mentioning on Instagram, it feels a little more uh, marketing-ish and like self-promotion-y, like look what I'm doing, look what Mm -hmm. I have going on. And then it's just asking, like, it's like, give, 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 click this, do this, swipe up on this. Like it's kind of a one-sided relationship. I I completely agree. Yeah. It's a lot harder to have that back and forth feeling on Instagram. So I think a lot of people don't, realize this until they start sending emails. But for some reason, email really does feel more personal, more Mm -hmm. one-to-one. I think you have the ability to um, customize it so much that you can meet your subscribers where they are based Mm -hmm. on their interests. You can send them certain things and you can, like we always say, encourage replies. A good example, I know Matt Ragland, he used to work for ConvertKit Then he worked for Podia, and now he is a full-time creator, and he has some amazing content around, like, productivity and time management and all sorts of things, so check him out if you're interested. But he posted on Twitter the other day just a screenshot of his inbox, and they were all replies to his emails, and tons of people just replying, saying, like, this was great, or, you know, responding to a question, and I think he goes in and replies to a lot of those, too. So I think email is really wonderful for turning your like, I'm kind of interested audience, you know, it's low stakes to follow someone on Instagram. Like, okay, these people are generally interested in what I Mm -hmm. have to say and turning them into loyal, committed people, you know, fans, if you're uh, an artist or like just subscribers, those people feel a lot more loyal to you and are much more likely to stay in your audience for a long time, probably Mm -hmm. buy some things from you and have that relationship. Yeah, I totally agree. I think, I mean, I love Instagram just as much as the next person, but I do feel like it's a very one-sided relationship and it's a very, that look at me and this is what I'm doing. And, and I've bought plenty of things off of Instagram. Like I would be lying if I said that I hadn't, but at the same time, those are very like, I'm not committed to those, like following those people long-term. Right. And that's exactly it. Like they could be missing out on other opportunities down the road for like new businesses they might be starting or products that, I mean, there's tons of people that I follow who have started off as influencers and they've worked with brands like Kohl's to create a new 
line of just a select few items that, you know, they'll, they won't restock. So I just think that's great. But what if they want to do something bigger down the road and I stop following them or I lose them in the process of, you know, Instagram's algorithms? Like there are people that I follow that I never see their content, even though I like and comment on their posts. So I think it's like email marketing, like you said, especially within the last year has really proven that it's still here and it's still important. Yeah. And I think people find it maybe hard to believe that a yeah. platform like Instagram could just go away overnight. But I mean, I remember when, I know this is maybe a silly example, but- MySpace, is that what you're going to say? MySpace, I was going <laughs> to say Vine. Oh, Vine, yeah. <laughs> because Vine honestly was just like TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and TikTok is huge right now. Mm-hmm. Every single music industry event I listen to or attend talks about how TikTok is like the big thing they're focusing on. Yeah. People make millions of dollars from TikTok mm-hmm. and it's a huge space for creators. Vine was pretty much TikTok not long ago. It was. I bet they're kicking themselves. Like, what did we do wrong? I loved it. And I actually, I still follow a lot of people that I followed on Vine. I just follow them on Instagram now. But think like a lot of those people had millions of yeah. subscribers on Vine. They were going viral and gone. Their audience overnight, gone. They right. just had to hope they would find them on other platforms. But a lot of people I followed on Vine, I don't, I mean, I don't know where they went, you know? Yeah. Well, and I mean, also I've seen very rare instances of people who, I don't know exactly how it happened, but there was a couple people that they totally lost their accounts. I don't know if someone took it over and Instagram couldn't help them get it back or whatever, but they lost all of those thousands of subscribers that they had. And so they reached out to like influencer friends of theirs and asked them to like, Hey, will you tell your followers, like, you know, people they collabed with or whatever, like my profile is gone. Here's my new profile. But I mean, they've worked for years to get to the point that they were at. And there are times where there's just nothing you can do. And so it may be rare, but I personally would rather have like you're saying, that contact, those email addresses so that I didn't feel like another platform totally owned who I was talking to or my audience. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that. There's someone I follow on Instagram, actually, that they're like a DIY home person. Mm -hmm. And recently, like their account just went away and they could not figure out why. They had a second account that they were posting and telling people like, I don't know what happened. But I mean, I think that account had, you know, definitely hundreds of thousands of followers, if not closer to a million. It really can happen overnight. A whole other topic we won't get into, but you know, I know a lot of people's Twitter accounts are getting deleted for, you know, what they're sharing. Mm -hmm. So obviously, again, I'm not going to get into that. It should only be happening if you're like inciting violence. So it's just the whole concept of like, you actually don't have control over a lot of what you think you have control over. And again, like, I totally agree with you. Like, obviously those are different situations, but it's, it's not telling you to go inside violence somewhere else. Yeah. (laughs) Right. No, but it's, it's more of like a, there are rules that you have to follow. And sometimes even if when you're following the rules, there are just instances where something happens and it's out of your control. So it's just like, it's an accessory to your business having Instagram, but it is definitely not like an aspect that I would probably like, there are some people who Instagram is their business. Oh yeah. And that's scary. Very scary. Yeah. You cannot put all your eggs in one basket. Obviously I wouldn't even put all your eggs in the email basket. I mean, I think email is going to be around for a long time. Even if you were to get kicked off of an ESP or you don't like an ESP, there's 
hundreds, if not, there's probably thousands you can go use. So as long as those email addresses are working, you're good. But still, like, you should have a diverse marketing strategy. Strategy. Shouldn't rely on one channel ever. Exactly. So I think what I hear a lot from creators, if I have convinced them far enough that, like, okay, you should have an email list, the next thing I hear is, like, well, how do I ask people to get on my list? That's so awkward. Like, I don't want to beg people to join my email list. That sounds so lame. Mm-hmm. So I have a friend who recently, uh, I just mentioned her. Her name is Bex, B-E-X. And she's amazing. She was a musician. I mean, obviously still is very musically talented, but now she does graphic design and illustration. So she just did a big Instagram post that was so wonderful. It was a beautiful photo of her. And then the caption was like, I want to have a deeper relationship with you all. Like I want it to go off of Instagram. I'd love for you to join my email list and we can have, you know, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was like, yeah, we can have deeper conversations and I'm going to send you free, you know, PDFs of this beautiful art monthly, which is wonderful. So the key here is to, at the very beginning, add value, let people mm-hmm. know what to expect and give them a reason to give you their email address. Mm-hmm. You don't want to just be asking and be like, hey, can you please join my It list? sounds like it was so genuine too. I think that's like another part of it. So on top of the offer, I mean, if you genuinely do want to have a connection with people and you want them to support your business venture, like be genuine about the fact that you want that. Yeah, exactly. And don't just be, don't just be asking, like you also need to give in that. And so she did, she was like, here's what you can expect. I'm going to give you this Mm -hmm. to join my email list. Another great example is a customer of ours and friend of mine, Drew Holcomb. And he recently, I love when uh, artists do this, but he recently posted on Instagram on his stories and was like, Hey, we are going to do a show. I think it was their Valentine's day show. And he's like, there's pre-sale. You know, it's going to probably sell out. If you want to get access to the pre-sale, sign it for my email list. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people did. And that's such a great strategy because, again, something is in it for them. Uh, It's not just like, hey, I made an email list. Please sign up. People who want to get tickets to the show, they have a really good reason to sign up. Something is in it for them. Right. I I think I told you another – it's so embarrassing. All I do is talk about my dog these days, but (laughs) – I understand it. There's nothing else going on. I know. No, I was looking again for training tools. And I I think I told you this. I went to a website and I thought this was very clever. I'm not sure of the genuineness per se Mm. that was behind it, but I still thought it was like a really good idea. And if you have the time to respond to emails, I think this would be a great way to get emails. But I have like a couple questions, you know, about like things that my dog's doing or just like behaviors that I was confused if they were like, should I be supporting these behaviors or should I be like telling him no? So anyways, I was, I have a very like large dog. Training is important to me. So there's all these reasons why I've been looking things up. And I went to this website and his opt-in form said, have a question, like question mark, leave it here and I will reply to you. Mm-hmm. And so I entered my email. Obviously it says like you're signing up to a list. Like it's not, it's not like it was a trap or anything. Like right. I knew what I was signing up for. And then he sends an automated email back that says, thanks for your question. Like, I'll get back to you in however long. And it was really cool. But I just think, like, it made me feel like someone cared. And it made Mm -hmm. me feel like I'm not the only person out there with questions. So I just thought it was a really good for – and I don't know if it would work for everyone's business. But in that particular scenario, I thought it was very, like, well done. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think it's okay to start, you know, to grow your audience using techniques like that. Maybe it's not sustainable forever and Mm -hmm. that's okay. Have a strategy for building your list that isn't something maybe you're going to use forever. But when you're first getting started, really lean into treating every single person on your list, you know, with a lot of attention and kind of doing more one-to-one relationship building things. And of course, once your list gets bigger and bigger, you probably can't uh, do that all the time, but it's a great way to at least get loyal fans or subscribers off the bat and really build those relationships. And then down the road, you can figure out how to create those sorts of connections Mm -hmm. with a really large list. But I think that's a great way to get started. Yeah. Obviously, sustainability is something that I'm sure everyone with growing pains will have to deal with at some point. But I do think it was, there are techniques like that where I think when you're initially looking for people to sign up, like that's a great way to initiate those conversations. Yeah. And you get to know your audience more and that will just help you be a better creator down the road. You can understand. You're like, oh, I just talked to the subscriber of mine and here's what is going on and here's why they signed up for my list. I think that's really important is understanding why are people signing up? Right. We talk about this a lot in email because once you start to have people that, you know, they're not opening your emails anymore and we're like, it's time to clean your list. One of the first things I say, if you're going to try and re-engage people is remember why they signed up in the first place and try to serve them in that way. So like for the dog training example, they might be like, why did Melissa sign up? Obviously they might not be able to single you out, but why did these people sign up? oh, well, they really liked this PDF that we had on our website. And it's about this specific problem, you know, with training your dog. Maybe we need to cover that again and email it to these people and, you know, on a new a new spin on it, something like that. Mm-hmm. But you can really try and figure out what your audience wants from you. And that will always serve you as a creator. There are a lot of people that I've followed that have made references to people that were their, part of their initial group of subscribers mm-hmm. And they'll say, yeah, those of you who've been following me forever or those of you who signed up and like, and they know they have personal. So even though they can't have a personal relationship with every single person, like the cool thing is, is they do have personal relationships with those initial people who signed up. And I think that kind of is really like valuable to you as a creator, because then you always have this group who they didn't sign up because they were your friend necessarily. They didn't sign up because they were a family member. Like they actually signed up because they were interested. And as you've like cultivated a relationship with them, you can always use them as a sounding board in the future to help you figure out like what they think is working and what they don't think is working, which I think is really cool. Yeah, exactly. And obviously in email, there are ways you can still reach people on a more individual basis that maybe aren't really one-to-one. So for example, you can send out an automated birthday email if you collect birthdays and people reading the emails are going to know, you know, that you didn't sit down with a cup of coffee and handwrite that email to them. I think everyone these days knows that's not, that's not what's happening, but it's still nice. Like it's still nice to open up your inbox and see one of your favorite creators said, happy birthday, Melissa. You know, like, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for being part of my you know, email list, whatever. So there are still things you can do on a large scale that maybe aren't truly one-to-one, but it's still like making your audience feel cared about. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Cool. So 
let's talk about how creators can earn a living online because there are so many ways. And I think still a lot of people don't even understand all of the ways you could start earning money Mm -hmm. uh, like pretty quickly and pretty easily, you know, at least when it comes to getting set up. Mm -hmm. So one we mentioned earlier is paid newsletters. I love this. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a newsletter. It can be a course. Mm -hmm. I also think those are so cool. So for example, I follow, I think I've mentioned them before. I follow look a cleaning Instagram account. You and I have talked about another one too. Oh my gosh, they're so oh, it's it's like the most addicting thing. I I, I like have so much joy in my heart from watching yes. them clean things. It's like a little disturbing. Is that one go clean? Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. And you know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? Actually, perfect example. I have been debating on buying their cleaning army handbook for mm. the last. I'm. It's coming. Like eventually, yeah. they're gonna get me. I. I'm gonna buy it. I already know it. I. I just. It's like thirteen dollars, and I have actually. I think that's like Canadian thirteen. So it's probably a little less than that. I haven't done it, and I know I'm going to. Like that's the funny thing. Like this is why content creation is so important because like they just keep. They make it intriguing enough to follow. So I keep following. They keep slipping the handbook in there from time to time. They're not pushy about it. In fact, they do it in such a good way that I have pulled it up in my cart like 10 times and I'm going (laughs) to buy it. It's like so just talking about this to me is like the funniest thing. I know. I love it. In case you don't know what we're talking about, you probably don't. (laughs) Um, There is an Instagram account. They do have a lot of followers, like maybe a million. And they just clean houses, I guess, in Canada Mm -hmm. and they show stories of them, like kind of the before and afters of what they're cleaning and also in the process of cleaning. And it is so satisfying. It's very satisfying. Like it'll be a a really gross, dirty, you know, whatever, like windowsill or something or um, <laughs> like a washing machine. Tap to clean. <laughs> yes. And then it's clean and yeah. it's insane. So they're amazing. Yeah. It's fun to watch. So let's use them as an example. If they were to do an email course, I don't think they have done that. You know, they have that ebook, which is wonderful. Mm -hmm. Essentially, if you wanted to do something like that, you can go on ConvertKit and create the emails that you want in your course, like in a sequence. So maybe they send once a week and you can say, okay, like day one of the course or challenge. I like the Mm -hmm. two challenge. It's like clean your kitchen counter here's what you're going to do. Here's the materials you need. You know, day two, clean out your refrigerator. Mm -hmm. Here's some before and afters. Like, here's what we recommend doing. And you can ask people to pay $5 a month, $10 a month, whatever you want. And that sequence will only go out to people who are in the paid, you know, Mm -hmm. course. I would sign up right now. I know. I really would. Like, I'm ready. I I wish they would create that. Um, I know. So it's so easy for your, you know, email subscribers. They just put in their card info and boom, they're receiving your emails Mm -hmm. and they know what to expect. And then for you, if you just spend like a day or two building out that sequence, I mean, you could have a year long email course built out, just need to post about it, let Mm -hmm. people know about it. And that money is rolling in. Passive. Passive. Yeah. I know that would be like insane. And then the rest of your time, you know, you can ask people to reply and Mm -hmm. send you pictures of their before and afters. There you go. There's testimonials. There's content for your blog. You can read through those replies and respond while your content is getting out, you know, sent out automatically for you. You can feature those people on your website, on your Instagram to get more people to join. You're going to say, Hey, this person joined our course and look at their refrigerator before and after it's insane. Yeah. And then you're going to get way more signups. So 
it's just this amazing thing that I don't think people know about that you can just like build out an email course or an email challenge. People need help with all kinds of things. And also, (laughs) and and even if like, I mean, like I said, between cleaning and my dog, and now it's a perfect storm. I'm training and I'm cleaning because he's a messy dog. And so now it's like, I need both of these. I need the training resource and I need the the Go Clean Co. Like cleaning resource. Anyways, I just think it's something we both get really excited about because it does not involve consistent effort work to create an email course. And even if you like, I actually am trying to look for a like printable, like a, not a graphic, but more of like an artwork type printable right now. Mm -hmm. And I've been like on Etsy and I've been looking around for different things. And even if you weren't doing like an educational like course, you could still do, like you said, your friend who did like the sign up for my email list and I'll send you like a free PDF every month or whatever. Like I would totally sign up for something like that. Yeah. Like an art club. Yeah. I love changing out like my frames in my house to different, like whether it's seasonal or, you know, so even if you weren't trying to set up a course, like there are other ways you could use our sequences or a sequence type program to like do something like that. And it would be automated and it's passive income. Yeah, there are really so many um, possibilities. I know our COO, Barrett Brooks, recently had a paid newsletter. So that's a little bit different. He would actually write the emails every week. And it was about uh, careers. I think it was Mm. called Career Capital. And it was really great. It was all about like how to advance in your career and how to like have better work-life balance and how to get a promotion, things like that, that a lot of people obviously need help with. Right. Yeah. So in that case, you're writing maybe one email a week and people are paying to receive that email. And that's amazing. I mean, a lot of creators are already writing weekly, you know, newsletter type of things for free. So just think about your really loyal fans. If you have something that's um, really valuable to offer them, I mean, $5 a month, $10 a month, that's what most of us spend on, you know, I know I get a $5 coffee like every other day. So I would be happy to pay that much money for a resource that I'm going to love. And that's going to provide me value like that cleaning one we talked about or a career newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. So that's just one way to use email specifically to earn a living online. There's so many other ways to earn a living online. I would say a great one is building out a course. So I know, I think some popular platforms for that are like Podia or Teachable. If you don't want to do it in an email format, those are great ways to actually like have a, a, you know, video course and create a living doing that. Yeah. So many endless opportunities and options for, I mean, even if you didn't want to use another platform, like having a YouTube channel and sending people to the right link, like, you know, those kinds of things, like you can start small and eventually if you needed to have a different management system for, you know, a course, like you could, like you said, you could use one of those other platforms, but going back to the cleaning thing, since I'm so (laughs) passionate, theirs is a simple PDF. Like they are not fancy. They've admitted they're not fancy. They only recently started using more affiliate links. Like they're very bare bones, I would say in their marketing efforts for people to, they don't have a huge arsenal of things that they're selling, but they made it valuable and they've given enough like examples and real life, you know? So I think like 
there are so many options. It's almost overwhelming sometimes. So I think you do have to just like decide what it is that you want to teach someone Mm -hmm. and kind of do like, not really like a trial and error, but you need to just pick a direction, try it. And, and you can always try something else if it's not working. Right. There's so many different things you can do. And I really want to focus on, so the cleaning, you know, handbook PDF you talked about, one thing that's really interesting about that in your example is Go Clean Co. has no way of knowing that you specifically have clicked on that link or swiped up or whatever, like a million times. I'm pretty sure Instagram doesn't tell you who swipes up. They just give you a number. So interesting. They can't target you, although you would be amazing. Like if they knew that you have put that in your card a million times and they could just send you a little email, it's like, hey, here's 10% off. We know yeah. you've been eyeing this. Oh, done. Done in a heartbeat. I would have bought <laughs> No, They would have had you and probably so many other people. Yeah. And with email, guess what, guys? You can do that. Yeah. So if they had been emailing Melissa and they see, man, Melissa is clicking that link every time we email it to her, but she still hasn't purchased, they could easily target her and say, hey, we noticed you keep eyeing this product. Let's give you a little discount. Boom. You know, it's purchased. And you can also... You can sell ebooks and PDFs and things on ConvertKit too. So you'll have all that purchasing data and it makes it so easy to figure out like who is really close to buying and I just need to give them a little push. Yeah, that was a really good example. And abandoned <laughs> abandon cart things for me personally work all the time. So if you're trying to sell me something, there you go. You have it. That's the key. <laughs> I'll never forget like the first abandoned cart email I got. Like back when it wasn't normal, mm-hmm. I think it was like West Elm. I looked at something and then like, Five minutes later, I got an email and it was like, we saw you were <laughs> looking at this. And it was like a picture of the product. And I was like, oh my gosh. It's a little weird, but it's... I didn't sign in or anything. Right. But, you know, nowadays I just get like, oh, that's that's normal. It's just so funny to think about. I remember being like, what is this? Like, I didn't give them my email. How did they do this? Mm-hmm. It's, it is really bizarre. But people have told me before, like, well, isn't that just weird? Like, does that bother you that you get those? And I think when you're a loyal customer like Target, or I know that sometimes they send me emails about, you know, different sales that I don't care about. And I think that because I like Target so much, I'm willing to like look the other way kind of and say like, well, they also do target me more in the things I am interested in than the emails they send me that I'm not interested in. So I'm willing to just kind of like, I'll just ignore those and I'll pay attention to the ones that I am interested in, if that makes sense. So I think like, yeah, while I do think that there are limits to how many emails you should send somebody and, you know, being pushy about sales or whatever, I do think when you care enough about something and when you're passionate about something, like I am cleaning, it doesn't bother me to get that abandoned cart email here and there, you know? So I think it's, I think as the creator, you have to change your mindset about how you're connecting with your audience. Cause that's a question we get a lot. I feel like, well, not us personally, but like, that's a question that's talked about a lot is how do I ask people or how do I show them something without feeling like a pushy salesperson? And I think you just have to remember people would not be following you if they weren't interested. Yeah. And I think email, at least in the way we do it at ConvertKit and the way we say you should be doing it is so it's permission-based. Right. And someone should have opted in before you are even emailing them. So I think that helps a lot too when it comes to not feeling 
too creepy. I know it's a little bit weirder when you get an abandoned cart email and you're like, but I don't even have an account here. Or like, I didn't sign up for this. But in the example we've been using, like it wouldn't be creepy for the cleaning company who you opted in to receive mm-hmm. email from to just send you an email that's like, hey, here's 10% off. You know, they don't need to say, we know the link you've yeah. been clicking. <laughs> but in their mind, they're thinking, okay, she's clicking that link. We're going to send it to anyone who's clicked the link but has not purchased mm-hmm. yet. And the email copy doesn't need to say that. It can just say like, hey, because you've been on our email list and you're a loyal reader, we want to give you 10% off our cleaning handbook. Please, you know, if you purchase it, we want to see how it's helped you. Like send us a picture or whatever. So I think email, when done right and uh, is permission-based as mm-hmm. it should be, it helps take away the creepy factor. I totally agree. So I think I would say the top ways to earn a living online for creators is like subscription models, paid newsletters and broadcasts, and then digital products Mm -hmm. like PDFs, handbooks, like you mentioned, eBooks, singles, uh, when it comes to music, albums, things like that, PDFs for images, all of that. They're great ways to earn Mm -hmm. a living online. And again, you can do that on ConvertKit for free. There's just a processing fee. And they're so low risk. Like if you offer someone a PDF and they get it and they decide like, I don't want to be a part of your list anymore because it's just not what I expected or whatever. Like you're not really losing much from that. Like you aren't putting everything into like shipping out an actual product or having yeah, to deal you- with like return, like it's, a, it's just a way to entice someone to be a part of your community and ultimately very low risk for you as a creator. Yeah. You don't have to have tons of inventory sitting around your garage or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. Worry about returns. Like mm-hmm. you said, there might be refunds here and there, but again, not the end of the world. So it's really exciting that anyone right now can start earning a living online as a creator doing what they love. And that's the goal. That's the goal of this podcast. Obviously, we're hitting on really specific information about email deliverability in a lot of our episodes, but we want to help you all listeners understand that there's a lot more to email deliverability than just the technical Mm -hmm. aspects and that there's a lot of important information wrapped up in email deliverability that really all creators should know in order to earn a living online and build their audience. Definitely. I think one of the hardest things being in the role of deliverability is when you've checked all of the technical boxes for a customer and you know that their actual issue has more to do with their marketing strategy than their deliverability, like technicalities on our end or their end. And that's like a very difficult conversation to have because it feels very personal. It feels very, you know, critiquing their business model in some ways but it's something that they do. They really do go hand in hand. And I think both of us are very passionate about helping people understand that there can be better ways to do things. And sometimes just you're so busy in your own business, you don't even realize that there might be times where you're emailing someone too much, or maybe your call to action is not very obvious or, you know, and it's not a bad thing. Like it happens sometimes, but I do think like that's where you and I kind of came up with the idea for season two was like, let's see how we can like marry these two together and talk about them in a way that, people can understand and have it be helpful. Yes, I love that so much. I think one thing you and I try to do a lot is to pull people out of the analytics numbers kind of mindset, which is hard. I love math. I was a, you know, I have a math degree and I love numbers. Well, that makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) You are the really strong writer. 
I'll do all the numbers you need me to do. Yeah, that, that's perfect. Good, good working relationship. <laughs> I know we're perfect, but I love looking at data and numbers and focusing on them, but I have done this long enough to see how much focusing on the open rates and the click rates can lead people down the wrong path and get them obsessed over the wrong thing. So I think that might sound counterintuitive for a deliverability podcast to be saying like, don't look at your open rates as much. (laughs) They, yeah, they don't matter as much as a lot of people think they do, or they're telling you something different than you think they are. And what Melissa and I are always doing is saying like, these are human beings that are receiving your emails. They're not robots. They're not always going to open, you know, 20% of the time collectively. Mm -hmm. If there are spikes, think about, you know, what's going on in the world. We always have to tell people, you know, we'll have someone write in and be like, my open rates tanked yesterday. And we'll be like, well, yesterday was Christmas, you know, people are with their family, whatever it is. We always sort of have to pull people back a little bit to see the bigger picture and say like, there's a lot going on here. You emailed these people three times yesterday. So let's give it a break or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Obviously, sometimes there are technical deliverability issues that are causing rates to bounce around. And we will always talk about those too. But just like you said, Melissa, a lot of times the technical stuff is totally fine and perfect, but there is strategy and marketing things that need to be taken care of. So we're going to talk about all of it wrapped up in one. It's going to be really fun. Hopefully a little bit more. I don't know. I think, I mean, our last season was interesting to me because I enjoy talking about kind of the nerdier side of deliverability, (laughs) but I do think we're going to cover some like, you know, talk about some really interesting types of businesses that we see and that use ConvertKit, which I love talking about those. And just like some more real life examples, which I think can be really beneficial for deliverability because sometimes it's a very overwhelming topic. Yeah, I love that. I think our goal is that ultimately, like if we ran into a creator on the street and told them about our podcast, we would be able to say like, you need to listen to episode 29. It's all about, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. But also we have a lot of different episodes sprinkled in about really specific deliverability concepts so that if anyone is going through an issue or, Mm -hmm. you know, is like, oh man, I don't know anything about DMARC. I need to know what that is. You also have somewhere to go. So we're sort of hitting on all of that. But um, next week, we are going to be talking about how to re-engage subscribers without damaging your deliverability, which comes up a lot. And I think everyone needs to hear that. So I'm excited about that one. It's kind of like a good segue into like spring cleaning. Oh, I love it. Look at you. That's a marketing brain right there. I have a problem. (laughs) I also love cleaning. I love to clean. And I really actually didn't even see that correlation until after I said it. But yeah, I mean, everyone, you got to clean out your closet. You also got to clean out your subscribers. Yeah, maybe you should go follow Go Clean Co. We have no no affiliation with them, but we both really love their Instagram. Yep. If you ever need some nice, like satisfying videos of really gross things getting perfectly clean, it's really great. I'll tell you, I actually <laughs> am going to clean my car out today and use some of their tips and tricks from their car cleaning uh, highlight reel. So if you're interested in cleaning at all, I highly encourage you to go in and look at their Instagram because it's just so good. We need to get them to use ConvertKit. We're plugging them so much. I know. (laughs) No, but I'm happy. They're doing great. Yeah. We love following them. So, okay. I think that's a good place to end it. 
That was really fun. I'm so happy to be back. I know. Well, we'll look forward to, uh, again, like we've said for the last however many episodes we have out, it's crazy that we've had as many as we have recorded. But if you ever have questions, if you ever have concerns about your deliverability or just things you want to hear us talk about in general, just reach out to us. We love to hear from people. Yes, we have a website, uh, convertkit.com slash deliverability. There is a form there. We definitely use your ideas and questions to come up with new episodes and make sure we hit on them. So if you have a specific thing you're running into or something you need more education on, just go fill out that form and we will cover it. Yay. Well, I'm excited to dive in next week. Yes. See you all next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.